Talking about the power of a third day, Hosea chapter 6 and verse 1, we're in week number 2 of this study, and, and um, I want the Lord to talk to us today. I need Him this morning, and uh, more than that, I need the message that Hosea brought and promised. We need that. He said, come and let us return to the Lord. I, I don't know where you are in proximity to the feet of Jesus this morning, but there's an invitation that comes through Hosea. He said, for he hath torn. Some kind, sometimes God works in mysterious ways to get our attention and draw us nearer to him. Can I just remind you that everything that's happened in life, God has allowed it for a purpose bigger than what we would ever know when we began the journey. But God has a plan. That's providence. That's his purpose. He said, for he hath torn, but he doesn't stop there. He said, and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. Anybody sense God just doing a little bit of that this morning? And after two days, will he revive us? In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord his going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain as the latter and the former rain unto the earth God's purpose today is for us to live in the promise that he's prepared for us and I'm going to ask if you would help reveal that to us today our, our words fall flat right about here but his word will reach directly into your heart if we allow it to. I need God to talk to me this morning. Would you just join with me in that simple prayer? Father, your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this room this morning. Every heart, God, let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, let us hear what the Spirit is saying into every life, every individual. God, you have a purpose. God, you have a word for everyone this morning. And so we prepare to receive it God, we open every portal, we open every door, we open every window in our soul, and we ask that you would come in. God, come in and speak with us, come in and sup with us, come in and work with us today, we pray. In your powerful name, we'll ask these things. Someone just speak that powerful name for a moment. In Jesus' name, you may be seated this morning. The part of the premise of our study is based on what Peter brings to us in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, he said, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And so if we look in Scripture, the third day is more than a series of 24 hours. It's more than just a space that marks time on the calendar. It's, it's more than January the 3rd. It is... A season that God has defined and promised uh, just this revival that Hosea spoke about would happen in the third day. And, and we talked to just a, you know, about third days in Scripture. We took a few moments and we looked at the third days of Scripture. It was the third day in creation that signaled a transition from death to life. It was the third day that triggered a transformation in the soil uh, that happened, that God turned it and, and it brought forth fruit that was ripe with promise, fruit that was ripe. Multiplication occurred on the third day. God 
brought great revival on the third day in creation, but it was a picture of what God would do in the season of time that we're living in right now. It was the third day that Abraham offered Isaac to the Lord. Sacrifice happens on the third day. It was the third day that Joshua crossed over the Jordan River. The miraculous happens on the third day. Provision happens in the third day. We're, we're talking about what God can do in a third day. And we, we've lived through 2,000 years of human uh, history since Christ's death. We've lived through 2,000 years. We've lived through two days. But there's this promise that we're grabbing a hold of in Hosea that says in the third day, we can have a great revival. In the third day, in the mark of the beginning of 20, uh, 2020, we are living in the third day. And that promise that Hosea spoke about is a available to us if we'll receive it. I don't want to be a part of a group of people. I don't, I'm not saying that we are, but I, I don't want to associate with people that say, well, I think there may be something there, but I'm just kind of content to walk the way that I've always walked, I'm content to live the way that I've always lived. There's just something that's stirring in our spirit, isn't there, about God? I think there's a little bit more in store, and I'm not going to be content until I receive everything. Someone say everything. Everything that you've got in store for me. I, I don't want it to live on the peripheral and me just kind of wait for something to kind of by chance come my way. I don't know why I just thought of this, but they, they said that we had a near miss as far as the, the universe is defined of an asteroid near Earth. Anyone else see that? I, I don't know how close a near miss is, but, but apparently they didn't even detect it until it would have been too late. And, and that just kind of always brightens your day a little, doesn't it? Seriously, with all of the technology that we've got, with all the eyes on the sky that we have, really? We missed an asteroid. It's not in my notes. Carry on, Jack. Carry on. <laughs> Let me just kind of bring it back. I, I don't want there to be a near miss in the supernatural either. I, I don't want something to kind of be over here and us just kind of have our heads so, so far in the sand that we miss an opportunity that God has for this last in time church this revival that Joel spoke about if it is right there if it's within reach if it's within our grasp then I don't want to miss it I don't want to kind of live like we've lived in day one and day two and then miss the opportunity that God said if you'd only just shaken your head and took a look it was right there for you I want to receive every element every part every aspect of revival that God has for the end time third day church come on 2020 we're all wishing it away but maybe God's saying in the most unlikely season I had the greatest promise available if you were willing to receive it so someone just get your eye on the sky and say God I'm ready for it in the midst of the mess around here I got nothing to look at so I'm elevating my gaze I'm looking a little higher I'm looking for a promise that you've given to the church oh settle down Jack We may as well. It was Jesus that said, destroy this temple. But the destruction wasn't an indicator of what his potential was. Destroy the temple. And he said, but in three days, I'll build it up. 
what may have happened in the religious world, what may have happened since Acts 2, between Acts 2 and then 2020. It may look like a demise of religion. I'm saying thankful for what happened in the turn of the 19th century or the 20th century and, I, and how God is doing that work and the turn of the 1900s, Azusa Street Revival. I'm grateful for that. But that's the beginning of what God promised he was going to do. It was, just a, it was just an inkling of what God wanted to do. It was just the earnest of the inheritance that we're yet to receive. The promise that we're yet to have is right there. I'm preaching a little bit of faith this morning. So just kind of step out on a limb with me, would you? Would someone just kind of say, I know it looks rough on the outside, but I'm just going to believe God for revival. I'm going to believe God that in the middle of this, we're going to have baptismal waters stirred. We're going to have, come on, the altar filled with outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It may be in the pew. It may be out in the, it may be out in the foyer. It may happen in the parking lot. I don't know, but here's what I do know. God's got an end time revival for for this church, for the church in this day, in this season I don't want to miss what God's going to do he said there would be and I believe there will be I'm just reaching out and holding on to it this morning go ahead and destroy it devil do your best work because in three days I'm going to build it up no matter how bad it looks on the outside, God's in control of what's happening on the inside. He hasn't lost grip. The steering, Jesus, take the wheel. He's still right there. He's got this. God, it's got Terry Lynn. That's your, that's your phrase. God's got this. Good to have you home. Yeah, that's all right. Someone just shout that. God's got this. That was a little, we're almost there. Someone, come on, take a deep breath in and then let it out. God's got this. There we go. We can't get to the third day unless we go through the ugly of first and second day experience. But somewhere in the midst of the first and second day experience, that's what stirs the hunger up on the inside of us. That's what kind of, prods us out of our complacency that's what pushes us out of our comfort zone when that come on when we just kind of say I I just kind of had all I can stand I I've done all I can do I can't do no more I st I've stood all I can stand I can't stands no more that's what Popeye said I want an end time revival we need an end time revival, a stirring, a shaking, a quaking, an uprising, table turning, ritual busting, religious destroying, outpouring, apostolic. I don't know what word you want to put on it, but that's what we absolutely need. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost to rest on us until we are on fire. That's what we need today. That's what we need. If there's ever a day that a church, that the world needs a church with that kind of power, it's in this day. And it brings us to our text this morning. It said the third day. And in the third day, there was a marriage in Cain of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. 
The disciples were pretty new to Jesus. He'd only just called them. As a matter of fact, John only uh, talks to us about, some say eight, some say seven, but he's very minimal on the number of miracles that he records. But in this, this first miracle of Jesus is one of the first, it is the first that he assigns to scripture. And he writes about it. And he tells us that the disciples were there along with Jesus. And it tells us that at this feast, I've got your ears now, feast, they wanted wine. The mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not, not yet come. I don't recommend that for any new married couples. And his mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And it says, and there were set six water pots of stone that after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servant which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when the men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. The be this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifest forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Just a few scriptures in a nutshell tells us this first miracle gives us the setting, gives us the experience, what happened. It talks to us a little bit about, the, the, gives us the framework for what was happening. And John declares that it was the third day. Well, we, we know that the first day, if you, if you were to go back through the scripture, John 129, it speaks about the day was the day of Christ's baptism. And uh, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And talks about how that Christ came. And that was the beginning of his earthly ministry. In John 1.43, it says the day following that Jesus would go forth into Galilee. His five disciples are now with him. But it says now on the third day. The third day. On the third day. We have some 37 miracles in the gospel. But we know that John only wrote about eight of them. So we know that this miracle this story has significance attached to it there's a purpose there's a reason that John paused to tell us that this miracle occurred where it did and how it did and there's also significance that he declares that it was on the third day and I'm not trying to draw this super tight parallel but I do want to remind us that God has a purpose for the third days of scripture John has uh, a very, you know, he, he, he's very calculated. Of course, the Holy Ghost inspires him, but thankfully the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost doesn't just kind of overtake us and we become somebody else. John is still who he is. That we still, the Holy Ghost is a gentleman. He flows through you. Anybody grateful for the Holy Ghost? Anybody glad that he still fills us? to overflow and that he still, come on, he still prompts us. He still quickens us. That spirit works in us. That, 
That, that spirit works. And, and John, he's writing under inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And, and the last verse that he writes, he says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if, I should be writ- if, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. So he said, there are so many things that we could write about. But he said, there are some things that I did write about. They, we could have filled the libraries with books about what Jesus did. We, we could have filled the world with pen and paper about what Christ did. But John said, I, I took time to write these things because, because I had an agenda. I had a purpose. I was, I was letting you know who Christ was. But, but not only that, it was because he wanted us to understand the promise that was awaiting us. Without a doubt, let's go back to that miracle. Weddings caught Jesus' attention. And it caught John's attention. Jesus knew that it was a picture of a promise. He knew that he was more than just rabbi. He knew that he was more than just teacher. He, he knew that he was more than just uh, the miracle worker. He knew that he was the groom of the bride that would come. And so this story tells us about the wedding that got Jesus' attention. They were invited and he went. He couldn't go to everything that he was invited to, but he went to this wedding. He went to this celebration. He went to this season of, uh, of communion between this couple. He, he wanted to be there. He had a desire to be there. He had a purpose to be there. And I, I think I'd like to think it's because he, he loved weddings. If he's the groom and we're the bride, then aren't you glad Jesus loved weddings? Because it was a picture of you and it was a picture of me. And so that wedding, without a doubt, caught Jesus' attention. It caught John's attention. And today, it caught our attention. We're talking about it today. And there was a reason behind it. uh, It says that when they wanted wine, when they wanted wine, Mary states the obvious. They have none. Can I remind everybody that the world wants what we have. If there was a title I could put over the world today, it's a world in want. If, if when we leave this room, and, and, and maybe like Pastor Mike, he had those, those the mission field awaits us, they, that, that when we leave this room, if we could just kind of put that heading over top of every car that we see or over top of every house that we see, that this is a world in want. That, that if we understand that the world has a need, if we understand that there is a world in want, I think we may walk a little different than we normally would walk. We talk a little different than the way we normally would talk. If we understood that there was a world in want, but we have to also realize that we've got what the world needs. We've got the thing that they've been looking for. Every big house doesn't fill the want. Every, every new car in the driveway doesn't fill the want. The, the check at the end of the week doesn't fill the want. What they possess will never fill the want. But you have what the world wants today. You've got it on the inside. That little... Come on, that little encouragement that comes from the Holy Ghost. If you've got that on the inside, that is exactly what the world is looking for this morning. That's exactly, if there's a world in want, then you've got what they want. And you can share it. You can deliver it. Come on, you can can let somebody know about it. That's the power of the church in this day. We have got what the world wants. They have no wine. They're bankrupt. They're void. They're empty. I, I, you know, I, I know that, that that would have been a slight to the groom if he had run out. It would have been embarrassing. It would have, you know, here, here's this guy. He's just taking a new wife, and he can't even take care of lunch, let alone take care of her. 
a little embarrassing, a little, little trouble on the home front, I'm, I'm going to guess. That's not going to bode well with the family. Dad's ready to take his daughter back. They have none. They've got no wine. I don't know. Uh, I think we all can relate to this because if there's anything that Pentecostals like to do, it's eat. And I, I know, like, we've, we just had a wedding last year. Susan and Rhonda fed us all very well. We, um, great food. Wedding receptions around here, it, I mean, it may be in, a, in the lower auditorium, but I can promise you this, the food's going to be good. A little bit of potatoes, some gravy. Might be roast beef, just kind of falling off the knife as they cut it. It's laid out on the plate so perfectly. I don't know if you know, <clears throat> you know, this is, but the, if there's one thing I could, maybe I'll just make this suggestion. If there's one thing that's, that's often overlooked, it's the, uh, it's the thimble-sized cup that we get. With water. Or maybe a little bit of juice for a toast to the bride later on. And if you're anything like me, after we've gone through the eternity of 600 pictures that are all hashtag Instagram ready. You know what I'm talking about? We've waited, we've waited for, we've waited for the meal for a long time. And by the time it comes, we're probably maybe assuming that the meal is as chilly as we are at that point. But you dig down with your, dig down with your fork and you put it in your mouth and all of a sudden, you should have known because your lips melted on the way by. The potatoes have been sitting in the pot. They're atomic hot. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And before you even realize it, you know you're going to have that blister on the roof of your mouth tomorrow. Is that just me? You know, the styrofoam plate has held the potatoes at plus 978 degrees. And so the only thing that you've got to do is try and quench the fire with that cup. And it's, it's the paradox, is it, do I save my tongue or do we have a toast? Am I going to be able to... You guys are a tight crowd this morning, I'm just saying. <laughs> or is that just me? And so you opt. You opt like me. I'm going, I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink the juice and save my mouth because I communicate for a living. <laughs> just like this, this morning. So we opt for and sure enough, when it comes time for the groom to toast his bride or the best man to toast the maid of honor or whatever toast may be happening, you're kind of <clears throat> hoping it's one of those white styrofoam cups. It's completely empty. <laughs> and you're, cheers. You're here, completely empty. It's out. Uh, we know a little bit about what that would be like. They have no wine. They've got no wine. They, they're empty. They're, they're void. We, we know what it's like to run out sometimes. Well, that's what happened at this wedding. They ran out. It was embarrassing. It was 
But bigger than that, it was a, a picture of provision. It was a picture of, of what couldn't happen in the natural. Let's, let's just dive in quickly. If it, can I just have you for five more minutes? Five more minutes? I didn't get it till 25 too. Scripture says that they were, they were, they'd set there six water pots of stone. That after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. So there was this capacity that had yet to become opportunity. There was six water pots of stone. I've overlooked that before, but if you were to look into Scripture, usually those pots were out of clay. But the problem with clay was that if you had gone back through Scripture, if a clay pot was touched, if it was touched by something that was unclean, then all of a sudden the clay pot was no longer any good to the Jews. So, so we know that this home was, maybe they had a few dollars, maybe they had, but more than anything, it was a picture of what the world couldn't do. It was a picture of humanity and its inability. It was a picture of religion only being able to bring us so far. There was six pots. Six is the number of humanity. Six is the number. It's just before the number of completion. But six is the number of incomplete, imperfection. It's the number of ceremony and religion. It's the number of routine. It's, it's that number, but there were six pots. But Jesus, nevertheless, looked at the six pots and said, go and fill them. Fill the pots. Why? Because he didn't come to destroy the law, but he did come to fulfill the law. He came with a purpose. But right there before, you know, if, if we look at the word stone, that was important because the, the Romans had brought the ability for the stone to be turned. They had built these massive lathes, and, and all of a sudden what could only have been clay before was now able to be fabricated out of stone. And if they fabricated the vessel from stone, they wouldn't have to be replacing it every time that something that was unclean touched it because now the stone was able to withstand the law that was required. But the stone could still only bring it so far. So there was six, the number of incomplete stones in front of them. But nevertheless, Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them, the Bible says, to the brim. So just picture this with me because the six pots, the six stones that were now capacity, the six stones that were now able to be filled became filled at his word, but he became, became the completing factor. We, we know that scripture tells us that he was the stone that followed Israel through the Old Testament. That rock that they drank from was Christ. So here in this picture of incomplete and imperfection, Christ steps in and it's not yet his time. Woman, mine hour is not yet. It's not yet that time. Mary, it's not we're not ready for this yet, but he says, whatever he says to do, do it. And so Christ, in the midst of this imperfect situation, completes it. Because in your imperfect situation, I just want someone to know this morning, he can complete it. Whatever's imperfect in your life can become perfect. And so now the stone that the builders would reject, but it was that stone that the water would flow from stood in front of them. The servants were able to see it. They didn't completely understand it. But now that perfect situation was made complete because of Christ. 
And so they bear it. He said, go ahead and take the water to the governor of the feast. Draw out now and bear it to the governor of the feast. They may have been a little embarrassed. They may have been a little confused. But the servants nevertheless picked up those stone pots and began to take it to the governor of the feast. I don't know where it happened. I don't know when it happened. I don't know if it was when he began to pour it or somewhere along the way as the servants bore those vessels. But somewhere it changed from water into wine. Somewhere the ability that God has to turn it all around was released into that circumstance and in that situation. And by the time it got to the governor of the feast, he tasted the water that was made wine. He didn't know where it came from because it was better than anything they'd had up until this point. Because that's the way that God works today. In our imperfect situations, he makes it perfect. Coming back to the music this morning. He said to draw them out now. The word to the church of this day is to draw them out. Brother McNair, I thank you for the word that you gave our church on Wednesday night. To come out. But there's also a command to draw them out. Because there's a world of empty vessels that God wants to fill. There's a world of imperfect. As a matter of fact, there's a room full of imperfect people here this morning. And some would say, well, let's just abandon, abandon everything that, that we need to do because it's all in Christ. It's, it's grace, and it is. But you see how Christ fulfilled the law? He commanded them to do their part. Go and fill those vessels, those vessels that represented everything that was, those vessels that represented the past, those vessels that, that represented the law, the, the vessels that, that represented what they could become, but he was transforming it on that third day. Somewhere between the well and the table, transformation happened. Can I remind us today that somewhere between the door and the table, revival can occur. Ritual can turn into revival. Religion can turn into revival. You know, that some of the awkward part of what's happened with us is because we can't do church as usual. And we've talked about this already, but let me remind you this is different than we would like for it to be. That's as obvious as Mary saying they have no wine. This is different. And it's wonderful that we're here. I'm not taking away the fact that we, we appreciate being able to be together. But somewhere in the middle of all of this, God has a revival. I believe that if we have a servant's heart, and if in the midst of what's happening in our lives right now, a difficult season, pandemic problem, 
that in the midst of that, with a world that's empty, there's a God that wants to fill today. And the church has the responsibility to draw them out. Draw them out. Draw them out. Young, old. God doesn't care about socioeconomic background. God doesn't care about what's in the bank. God doesn't care about it. God, that's not, that doesn't matter to God. He just said, go draw them out. Because he can do the work of transformation. The end time revival that's promised, I'm not sure exactly where it is on the calendar, but I do believe that we are in the season. So even though it doesn't make sense, whatever he says, do it. Because if we'll do what the Spirit is saying to do, then He'll do the work of transformation. You say, well, this is imperfect circumstances. This is certainly six water pot situation. But can I remind you that He makes up for whatever we lack. And the water that flowed it's still flowing. Brother Ron McCoy, it is so good to see you in service this morning. At this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cain of Galilee. That was the beginning. But the ruler of the feast declared it. Why did you save the best for last? So I believe what God began in Cana of Galilee was the beginning. What God did in Acts 2, it's the beginning. I want to shout it, but I won't. God saved the best for last. We're living in the most revival-saturated opportunity that the world has ever seen because God saved the best for last. Don't miss it. Don't miss what God's doing. Don't miss what God's preparing to do. Don't miss it. We're not going to miss it. We're going to stand together. Why don't we stand? But in this third day, God has saved the best for last. He's still performing his work. We've gone through the first day of conversion. We've gone through the second day of congregation. He's got all of his disciples together. But we're in that third day of the opportunity for communion. God is wanting to do the work with us. He's wanting to perform the miraculous amongst us. God still works miracles. God still saves souls. God still transforms lives. God still fills us to the very brim. God still does that in this day, but it's greater. When we look back and we read through those miracles that John wrote about, when we read through the miracles that Matthew, Mark, come on, that they, they spoke about and pinned down on paper, that's just the beginning of the miracles that God wants to do in this last days. Greater things than these shall you do. Why can't we believe that?
We need to receive it. We need to get a hold of that scripture, pin it on the fridge, and declare it to ourselves, declare it to our families. Greater things than these, greater things than that. We're going to do it. We're going to see it. We're going to live it. It's going to happen in this third day. Come on, both hands raised if you're ready. Asking God to release it. on the power of the prophetic is in the room right now God's declaring it beforehand come on there's a lifting of the hands those hands that have been hanging down somebody you hung the harp on the willow a little too early God's not finished yet it's not over come on it's not over the church hasn't sung yet we haven't sung the the days of revival we haven't finished singing that song we're still here because god still has a purpose we're still here because god still has a plan we're still here god's doing it all around the world but come on new brunswick he hasn't left us out come on fredericton he hasn't forgotten about us god is at work i'm ready for it Come on, we're still doing the work. Come on, the Holy Ghost is prompting right now because he's encouraging somebody. You do what you can do and watch me do what I will do. Come on, purify. Purify your hearts. Cleanse your minds. Cleanse your hearts. Because God's going to work in that vessel. God's going to work in that avenue of your life. God's going to work in your imperfection. Hmm. I wish someone would just take a deep breath in and then release. Come on, just release a prayer or a praise or whatever it is. God's got locked up on the inside. That's a start. That's a start. I wish you'd get something and begin to wave it in the air. I don't care what it is. It may be a handkerchief. It may be a piece of paper. It's just about declaring I'm receiving the word this morning, God. If you haven't got anything, would you lift your hand and just begin to wave it and say, God, I'm ready to receive it. Work through this vessel. Work in this heart. Work in this life. Work in this church. Come on, pray a prayer with me. Wash us, God. Cleanse us. If you're going to work through this vessel, God, purify us. Search my heart, oh God try me see if there be any wicked way in me come on cleanse us God there's that feeling that God wants to do but he's just cleansing first God wash us in your blood purge us with hyssop God God I need whatever it is you've got for me this morning I don't want to wait another day. I don't want to wait another service. 
I don't want to wait until Wednesday night. I don't want to wait until, until small group tonight. God, I need what you've got for me right here, and I need it right now. Baptism may be your next step. Can I just let you know we're ready for you? Tank is ready. Changing rooms are ready. You can be buried in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ this morning and every sin can be washed away. You can walk out of here a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. You can rise, come on, into newness of life out of that watery tank. That can happen in the room today. Why? Because God's saying, let me do a work of transformation. Come on, let me, let me do that work in your life. Let me, let me transform who you were into what I've declared that you are. us return unto the Lord for he hath torn and he will heal us he has smitten and he will bind us up after two days will he revive us in the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord his going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain as the latter and former rain unto the earth we're having, come on, a ladder and a former rain revival. It's going to be mixed. It's going to be better than it's ever been. It's a last time in days revival. That's what we're looking for. It's compounded. It's multiplied. It's promised. It's ours. Someone say it's ours. It's ours today. I worship you, God. I thank you for speaking to us today. God, I, I hear that call. That call that you're issuing for someone to come. God, you're compelling them. And we're just kind of confused as to how to move forward because all the rules that we have in place are good and they're necessary. But God, I don't want it to be a hindrance from someone taking that next step. So I ask, God, let that courage that you put in Joshua, that lack of fear that you commanded him to have, fear not, is what you said. I pray that someone will be released from fear. And God, that they would move on into the promise that you prepared for them today. I ask that someone would leave sin behind and that they would turn and walk with you. God, when we've done everything that we can do, we're your servant this morning. That's all we are. God, you just called us to fill the pot. That's what we did. But I ask that you would do that work of transformation in somebody's heart, and in someone's life. Would you turn the water into wine? Pray it in your precious name. In Jesus' name, we ask it. If you will receive that promise, would you say amen? So be it. That's what it means. 
We're declaring the promise of God. We're going to sing. We're going to leave as we begin. You can leave from this side. Take this with you. If you want to take a next step, talk to any of our staff. If you want to go, go to the next level in God, if you've never yet been baptized, if you haven't repented of your sins, talk to us. Find someone to talk to. Say, i got to talk to somebody about that. We're available. We're ready. We're 24-7 on baptism. God bless you this morning. Let's sing while they're leaving.